Welcome to the Bali Effect. It's Preeti Tana. And Didi Perry. We're back. We're back. We're back in action. Here we go. What's going on, Didi? Man, Preeti. There's we don't have enough time I know. <laughs> ever to really permit me to fully unload all the things that, that are on my mind and all the moments that I've experienced, my Bali moments. But I'm doing I, well. How I are know. You? I'm good. I'm good. I'm super excited about today's show. If you can't tell, she's grinning from ear to ear. <laughs> smile. So Why are you so excited, Do, You know, I'm going to ask you a question. Okay. Have you ever? I met- take the fifth. Oh, oh no! You, you, <laughs> I know you're going to want to answer this question. Actually, okay. have you ever met someone and just immediately felt this connection, and sort of thought, "Man, that person! I just want to hang out with them." Preeti. I mean, you're seriously asking me that and I'm looking at you right now. Well, I know, I know we have that special something, but you <laughs> know, in full, dis- in full honesty, we met in 2014. I don't, I don't actually think that happens all the time. No. When you come across, I like to call them sparkly souls. Yeah. I love that. Souls that are sparkly and you just don't know why. And you think, oh, I just want to hang out with them and be around yes. them. When was the last time you met someone like that? Ooh, the last time I met someone like that. Um, see, you're going to have me put my business out here. Oh, I- <laughs> um, I, but, you know, a person who I encountered um, really from the first meeting, I, I, I knew that there were sparkles coming off of this individual that had nothing to do with me. Um, but I, I'm not. Ne- you have oh, me tongue-tied right now. <laughs> well, okay. What what do you think made them sparkly? Do you think it was a shared experience that you guys were in? Is it cultural? Is it uh, the theme of the morning of like an unconscious bias of, hey, yeah, I mean, I just identify with this person. What, what do you think are some of the characteristics of what makes someone sparkly? In general? Yeah. Uh, I think it's the soul. Mm. You know, everything that you just identified certainly can uh, be attributes of it. But Mm -hmm. at core, I think it's just a part of the deliciousness that is you. And I think I think you're born with it. And I think it can you think you're born with it. I think I think you're either born with the shine or you're not. (gasps) I think it can get refined. It can get elevated. It can get magnified over time. I think the flip side probably might also be true. Like if you're just born bitter, that also can get magnified over time and that can get, you know. You don't think someone who's born bitter can can go and and get shine? Yes. No, I do believe yeah. in that. I, I believe in uh, turning things around and all of that stuff. Of but course. I guess you're talking about that something little thing yeah. that we can't quite identify. Yeah. Listen, I'm sure that my Auntie Oprah showed signs of greatness <laughs> at five years old. I, I believe that. Yeah, I, now, I, I do too. She got a bigger platform over the decades. I don't think that, you know, it was out of nowhere. Um, even, I mean, you think of all these incredible artists, mm-hmm. they pretty early on demonstrated that there was something there that made them special. But not just artists, I just think people with extraordinary huge larger than life something something i'm not talking about fame but something about their spirit that is infectious and draws people in i I mean i wonder if part of it is they believe 
that mm. that is their little bit of magic too. Oh, you know that they I mean, I do you, I, they wake up every morning with this incredible, you know, uh, optimistic thoughts on what's going to happen throughout the day, which creates this little bit of magic around them. I don't know. I don't know. Because in all honesty, well, the question I have for you, do you do you believe that you're magic? I do. Oh, OK. I do, but but I, I <laughs> all the time. That's no, what I mean. No, like all the I, time. I, but this is this is sort of what I'm sort of kind of getting to is um, I want to believe I'm magic every day. You are magic. So every if day. I can say to myself, "I'm magic," I have yes. just a vision of a bunch of people listening to this, rolling their eyes. Listen, most notably, let them my parents. Tell you no difference. <laughs> Come on, no, right? But I They're think like, that we that, gave her the magic that creates momentum and that creates. The ability to connect with people differently, for sure. You know, uh, so I do. You believe you're magic? I I believe I'm magic. I think you're magic. But I believe I am a recipient of magic. Mm. You know, and I'm not talking about like hocus pocus, but I believe that I am a reflection of something eternal, and that's what creates whatever is good or, you know. Do you think powerful. it's hard to um, kind of bump up against those people in New York City? The cool ones? <laughs> the whack ones? I know we only hang out with I just cool feel people. bad for them. Oh, really? No. I see you. Hi, hater. Listen, ain't got time for that. Yeah. I think uh, I, it, <laughs> our guest is nodding his head. <laughs> no one's got time for haters. No way. But um, to I can say, uh, no, I want to ask you the question. Uh, who was the the last sparkly soul that you encountered? Oh gosh, I knew you. Were, I should have prepared for this. Just talk. That's what we do. The last one, um, present company excluded. Yes, on like a Me. daily, on, a, on <laughs> sort of a daily, everyday basis. Mm -hmm. Can I be perfectly honest? Please, my Uber driver yesterday. Yes. Wait, what made him sparkle? He, so kind, mm. so lovely. Uh, how was your day? He asked me how my day was. I don't I don't often get that. And I said, How was your day? And he said, You know, it was pretty spectacular. Oh, I like that. I thought he was a little bit, you know He had lovely. it. He had it. He had it. And awesome. you know, he's probably driving around, probably has come across a bunch of crap that day, but he really and then actually took me on a route that would be faster. And he's like, you know, I know you thought it might have been the other way, but I wanted to make sure that you got there on time and I'll get you there. And I was like, five stars. He's like, I'm going to give you five stars. And yes. Uber magic going on. And this sounds you know, like a commercial for them. They need to pay us. I know. This is the second time we've <laughs> I've had some pretty good Uber drivers this year. I love it. Hey, they, it, I'm, I'm, but it does, it good. does, it makes me think about whether, you know, you know, he brought it or did I bring it? You know, was there a mutual, you know, bringing of magic or did it just sort of naturally occur? I don't know. I, I think, think about these things. I have too much time on my hands. No, you have time to share thoughts with our five listeners, which is great. So <laughs> I, I think it's it's a compelling question. And I, you and I both know and agree that our guest for today. Yeah. You know, I was. Is a magic. He, he is. Magic machine. He is. On every I, level. He's. Yeah, I know. <laughs> this is one where I wish we had video. Yeah. Like just watching him come in happen. with his swagger. And, yep. Um, He's looking clean, y'all. Yeah. 
I'm super excited to to announce our guest today. We have Dr. Amit Patel on the podcast today. Welcome. Amit and I. Thank you. Hi, Amit. Hi. We've been. Now I can talk. You can talk. Now. <laughs> He's been bursting at the seams. You right. know. Um, you know. Obviously, you're a very well accomplished doctor. We'll Thank talk you. about that. Um, but I, Amit, was one of the sparkly souls that I met. Gosh, I Ditto. don't. Even, I don't even know when. When that was, but you know, we've talked about Masala Bunga a, a few times mm-hmm. on this, and it was through a, a Masala Bunga class that yeah. we met. Mm-hmm. And you know, part of it might have been I, I instantly fell in love with him. Aww. You know, I instantly fell in love with this. Here's this guy. Well, I mean, he was my dream guy. Here's this guy. He's in this class. He's singing Bollywood music. We're dancing around, and I just. I love you, man. Oh, Welcome. You Welcome. Too. Thank you. Aww. Thank you. Thank you for having me here. I'm excited. You are. I, you know, <laughs> I wish sometimes we have so many just off the cuff conversations, and I wish okay. we could have been recording when we were coming in. I'm like, oh, so are we going to do this like uh, house with housewife style? And I was like, yes, just go for it. We we don't have a script. Like, listen, this is uncut. And this I was like, what does that mean? <laughs> Yeah. It means the drama. Amen. Where were, you were born in Utah. I was born in Salt Lake City, Utah. Wow. And Is that Mormon country? It was a Mormon hospital. Still exists. No longer Mormon, but yes. Wow. I was the only colored baby so, in you know, the I, ICU. Uh, well, the NICU uh, at the time. What were your parents doing in Utah? You know, so your parents born and raised in India. Yep. Okay. So how long after they were here were you born? Three months. Three months. Whoa. Four months. They came to the U.S. March of 1978 straight to Salt Lake City, Utah. Why Salt Lake um, City? I think you know the details. If I remember, it's relatives that they came to okay, stay with, fair. and the plan was my family currently lives in Houston, my mm-hmm. extended family. So they were going to leave Salt Lake City and then settle in Houston, which they did towards the end of 1978. But in the meantime, my mom went into labor. Oh wow! <laughs> the only colored baby at the yeah. hospital. It's pretty amazing. That's not surprising. Well, you had a safe landing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that's good. And then you moved to Texas. Then we moved to Texas. That's where I grew up. What was like? What was life like in Texas as an Indian? You baby? know, my childhood was fantastic. My parents, it was an amazing upbringing for an immigrant family. Yeah. My mom did not go to college and worked. Um, my dad did go to college. He was an engineer, so helped open up an engineering company with wow. his that then current owner. So they gave us everything that we would want. So life was great with them. But Texas growing up, you know, I get like flashbacks of things that were not so great. The racism, yeah. the homophobia. Mm. Um, you know, it was it was pretty tough. And now, of course, it's different. But my nieces are there and I think about it, you know, like. Are they going to be going through or have they been going through the same things that I did as a kid with bullying and, you know, what you would think that <clears throat> you don't want kids to experience, you experienced as a child. So. You know, um, a couple things. One is I don't, I don't, it's different, but I think they're bullying and, and sort of for different reasons than you probably experienced. Yeah. You know, we had, we had basic sort of 
racial, if you will, right. biases. Um, nowadays, I think it's completely complex. Now you have to worry about the internet. You have to worry about social media bullying, which we didn't have to worry about. And I actually think that that's worse. I think it's worse, too. I, I'm super grateful I didn't grow up in that era. Yeah. But I also think about my nieces and nephews as well. You know, and a lot of that comes down to parenting, I think, and how. But it's hard. It's hard. You know, you can't be. Absolutely. You can't shelter them. You can't put (laughs) them in a little bubble. You you see kids with cell phones in their hands before they can speak. Oh, for sure. Or you go out to eat and kids are on a tablet and that's how, you know, parents get their like 30 minutes to have a normal conversation (laughs) with each other and eat. Right. So it's like, what do you do? But it's a social media generation. Um, You talk about homophobia. Yes. When did you realize that you were gay? Probably in middle school. Middle school. Yeah, I knew I was different growing up. You know, How because does that I translate, was translate like different. Different meaning, not just the stereotypical like you know I was into fashion <laughs> or I was into you know helping my mom pick out her saris and her jewelry and things like that. But I just didn't have a lot of friends in elementary or in grade school because I think of the struggle of subconsciously trying to come to the realization that I was gay Mm -hmm. because Hindu, Indian, male, that was something that did not exist in my family. I had no exposure to it, so it wasn't something that I even wanted to deal with. Did you grow up or go to school with a pretty diverse population outside of Yeah, absolutely. You know, that's what's strange about Texas is the diversity, but then – so much that's I feel like stuck in the past. Yeah. It's still the like heartland. Yeah. You know? It's still mm-hmm. so red. Yeah. You know, completely red. The yeah. NRA, right. gun carrying, you know, what the machoism, everything that's still there. Um and it's weird because you see the diversity with ethnicities and, you know, gender mm-hmm. and just how different or how much of a juxtaposition it is because it's not New York. Well, I it's think not that's as, the key. You know, you, you, it's not as progressive, right. I feel, as accepting. Um, has it come a long way since I grew up? Yeah, but I still think they have a long way to go. I think a lot of them. I mean, I still go back, you know, I dress yeah. like the way I dress. And if my jeans are too tight or something, I, I know we get looks when we go mm, back to Really? Texas. Oh, absolutely, Martin and I. And we know, like, you know, not to carry our man bags and not to wear things a certain way. Now, I, mm. I make an effort, like, not to wear too much jewelry, et cetera, because, you know, you, I, it, that fear that I had and what I went through as a kid is still there. And Does- and. Maybe I'm reading into it too much, but when people look at us and I hear the whispers and this and that, it's like, all right, we don't belong. Does it, does it bring you back to when you were a kid? Absolutely. I mean, you know, it's – who did you talk to when you were a kid? No one. No one. No so one. So there was no one that you even said, I don't feel right? or no. For how long? Since the first friend that I turned to was in college. Wow. Yeah. Now, I could, like, this is making me want to cry. Yeah, I'm a little. See, one close. moment we're talking about the housewives, but first of all, thank you for sharing <laughs> yeah. this. You're welcome. Because to us, it's so evident. And I think to anybody who 
encounters you and has eyes that are open, you have a soul that is extraordinary and kind and warm. And for you to not feel comfortable enough that there was someone that you felt you could trust for so long, that is... Do you know, you have a brother. And, you know, I was going to talk about that. Yeah. Um, That was probably when I came out the hardest thing for him to accept. Your brother. Because we're close. We're so close. And the fact that he was not someone that I felt like I could turn to and talk to, it really, I don't think to this day he's still okay with that. You know, it took him a while to even be able to talk about it. He talked to my sister-in-law about it, and that's what he said hurt him the most. So just to clarify, he wasn't okay that you didn't share with him earlier? No. He was more hurt that, you know, one of his first questions was like, well, you've been struggling with this for so long. Like, why didn't you talk to me? Did he see that struggle in you? Did he kind of say, hey, bro? You know, we, we talk about it now, and when he looks back, yeah. When he looks back. Yeah. What's the age difference between the two of you? A little less than three years. Okay. Mm-hmm. And are you older or? He's older. Okay. Yeah. So you're his baby bro. Uh, yeah. Wow. So might I ask, why did you feel that you couldn't speak to anybody? Because I think that this is something that a lot of people yeah, feel. Yeah. Um, not only about this part of identity, but many, many others or traumas that they have experienced and had to survive this thought that is often imposed internally, Mm -hmm. I can't talk about this. Yeah. I think, you know, growing up South Asian, Mm. the culture is not accepting. It still isn't. Mm -hmm. Um, And being surrounded by that because we are so immersed in our culture, you know, and our religion. Mm Hearing comments like yeah. when things were on TV right. and, you know, when Ellen first came out on TV or I still remember everyone's comments about right. that mm-hmm. or if there was a, a pseudo stereotypical gay character, like even if there was a hint at something that was homosexual, mm-hmm. that fear dramatically increased every single time that happened growing up. Mm. And it came from my brother and it came from my dad comments and everyone in our family. So it didn't feel like I would be accepted if I spoke to anyone or that I could open up about this. Wow. Did you have an outlet? You know, did you have something where, okay, I can't really talk about this, but I'm going to go play basketball today or I'm going to figure out how to... So, you know, I I know it sounds stereotypical Indian, but my outlet was school. Yeah. <laughs> right, so, focusing on school. education. Focusing on it's school. I did so many extracurricular activities, you know. It's like out of sight, out of mind. If I didn't have to, you know, think about it, if I was so busy with life, mm-hmm. then I didn't have to think about it. Yeah. But periodically, it would hit me. And, you know, there would be periods of you know, thoughts and, you know, self-torture, I feel like, that I went through um, in making myself kind of suppress it and thinking that, okay, it's a phase, I'm going to get over it, like, Mm -hmm. and then moving on and it'd be a few years or something and then it would surface again. You know, Or I'd have a dream or something, you know, and it's like, okay. Something, and we had spoken about this in a prior episode, um, uh, with another doctor about unconscious bias and we all have them 
And the thing is, even when we carry them, uh, even the phrase unconscious bias, I really do think it is apt because we truly are not only unconscious of the bias itself, Mm -hmm. you know, feeling a certain way towards this category, but we're unconscious of the harm that it does to people, even people that we love. And, you know, outside looking in, it sounds like your brother probably was so upset because he never meant to hurt you. Right. Right. He never, never, and he never he wanted, wanted to, to see you suffer. No, right? not at all, nor my family. Right. So, you know, it was, it was, I think that was where a lot of their own struggles came with when I did come out. Sure. We are going to talk about that. But you can, <laughs> but that's the importance yeah. of addressing it so that you can eliminate it and say. And, you know, I think about it that, well, what if I had spoken to someone when I was a kid or mm-hmm. came out when I was in high school or, you know, uh, one of my biggest fears was that, okay, if I do come out when I'm not self-sufficient, I'm going to get kicked out of the house. And yeah. then that's a big, that, that's do? a valid be, fear, I think. You yeah. know, and that um, happens to people. Yeah. yeah. There's such a huge homeless LGBTQ population that mm-hmm. I thought I was going to be one of them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I, Talked about that with my parents when I did come out, and they were just devastated that I would have thought that they would ever, you know, kick me out of the house. But growing up, those are your fears that I had. And that's what fear does. It magnifies, you know, a perceived danger, even if it's not. And and then fears drive your decisions. Yes. Did, you know, what was, okay, so you said it wasn't until college, but so what was dating life like? So dating life was tough because I did date girls. You did. I did. Even after you came out? No. No. Oh, okay. No, before. You know, I said, okay, I've got to do this because I need to make sure. Right. But nothing sexual ever happened. Okay. And, you know, I think a lot of the girls, not that there were a ton. Um, there were a ton. No. <laughs> there was a lot. I'm of sure them. they were lined up. <laughs> They're, They're outside. outside. He is handsome, yeah, y'all. Like y'all, two of them. He's a handsome, smart <laughs> Indian <laughs> <Yeah>. boy. <laughs> like, what the hell is wrong with him? <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, you know, I. They probably thought that something was, you know, wrong with them. I don't know. I think about that. Like, man, what did I put them through? Like, just to try to figure out my own life. I put this poor girl through dating and this and that and wanting to go to the next level. But I, there was always something that mm-hmm. I was like, eh, no, you know, whatever. Someone who's been on the receiving end of that, you know, really interested in someone who had not come out. And this was pretty later on, like late 20s. Mm-hmm. And I got so angry because I just thought I was being blown off, right. you know, by this guy who suddenly just dropped me like a hot potato. And later on found out that he had found love, had moved to a different city, um, had found love, had gotten married. And then I was like, oh, my gosh, it wasn't me. Oh, my gosh. I'm so happy for him. Right. And it made me, t- that was a Bali moment. I totally saw everything differently right. after that with respect to sometimes, ladies, it's it's not what you think. You know, we have these narratives about, well, I have narratives about rejection and whatnot because dating is hard <laughs> I in don't. New York. <laughs> but and- sometimes people are just on their path and you're not supposed to be together because there are other fits later on. So yeah. when did you start dating guys? Um, my first date with a guy was, I went to out, 
I, I didn't even call it a date. We hung out in college. In college. Uh, but it was like with a group of friends. So it okay. wasn't like even really a date. And at this point, um, any friends, anyone know that? Did you come out to anyone at this point? At son? that point, yes. Okay. I had three close girlfriends. Okay. And, you know, we're still good friends. And they were the ones that I first spoke to about it. How did that so, feel? So liberating. Yeah. Amazing. Wonderful. And then, then the next weekend, they were like, let's go to a gay club. You're like, what? My life is starting. <laughs> <laughs> Where did you go to college? Uh, University of Houston. Okay, so Houston, you were still Texas, in Texas. And I was living at home. When you came out to your girlfriend. Yeah. Wow. And did you also let your parents know at this time? Or no. was that later? Mm-hmm. Okay. Came out at 36 years old. Okay. And would you like to share how that when well, were you dating someone at the time when you came out yeah martin yeah i know i'm, oh. I'm teeing it up oh. for the audience oh. all right, all right. <laughs> yeah, he just my, looked at me I like was, okay. all right sorry. Let, let me I let was dating me, my husband let me frame it <laughs> what was the moment for you uh-huh. when you decided i need to let my family know so what was going on that was the culmination kind of you know where i mentally had reached my limit there was a lot going on mm. with both myself and my family and then my relationship with my husband mm-hmm. um because you know of course not having come out into my 30s now going have go- have gone through school residency i was working as mm-hmm. an attending you know, it, it, the excuses just were limited with my family as to, okay, why aren't you married? You know, here's this girl, here's that girl. We went to this function and they came to us and said, you know, our daughter is really interested in your son. And, you know, they would be persistent. And then my parents would contact me and be persistent. And, you know, what happens in the Indian culture is it's almost like you're set up through your family to have a first date. You don't even know. (laughs) Okay. And all of a sudden, you know, this very nice, very attractive woman has my phone number calling me, emailing me. And sometimes I would just talk to them to quiet everyone. Like, okay, now I I have a little breathing room so no one's harassing me about talking to this girl, et cetera. And then with my husband at the time we were dating, you know, his whole family I had met. Mm. from the beginning mm. and they knew I wasn't out mm-hmm. and you know that to me wasn't fair yeah. it wasn't right and we knew that we were going to get married and there was no way of moving forward in either parts of my life with him or my family without it happening so I, I feel like mentally I just reached a boiling point and I said it is what it is. It's going to happen, and let's just deal with it. How long had you been together before you got to that point? We were probably, gosh, Martin is so good at these we met you Well, you met in 2010 on Facebook. Right. Ha, ha, Facebook. Yes, so, not yeah. even on yeah. a dating site. No, no. Um, we were probably, I want to say, together for a good four years. Yeah. Wow. Probably four to four and a half years okay. with full support of his family, knowing that I was not out. What was it like, you know, at this point now, you know, you've, you've grown up, you've not said anything to your parents, you've gone to school. Now you're dating someone for four years. You're obviously still going home, hanging out with your parents. 
was it just that you just were, okay, I'm used to this and they don't know and I'm going to pretend? Like now it's a bigger part of your yeah. life that you're not I, I was leading to... a double life. Yeah. And I couldn't do it anymore. Yeah. I couldn't. And then I felt that I was being so dishonest mm-hmm. to everyone that was the most important and still is in my life. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't right. So how did it feel for you to finally let them invite when you invited them in, I have a wonderful friend, David Johns. I hope, David, if you're listening, you need to be on this <laughs> podcast very soon. But he doesn't even like to use the phrase coming out. He says it's inviting in, you know, mm. as particularly for, for um, mm, same like gender that. loving men of color. Yeah. You know, coming out is something that is often celebrated. It's positive. But for a lot of people of color, it's more inviting into this world because there is risk Mm -hmm. that is, you know, the double layer of being, Mm -hmm. you know, double minority. Mm -hmm. And so it is an invitation. So when you decided to finally invite your family into the double life, to the true authentic life that was yours, how did you feel about that? And just to add, did you do it all at once? Yeah. 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 Um, Break it down. So, you know, unfortunately... I came out to my brother on the phone, hmm. and it was a week before my youngest niece's fifth birthday party, and it was devastating for him oh. um, because it was a, around the time that, you know, the same things were happening. A girl was interested. Why aren't you calling her? Mm. And then my brother and my dad would argue about it like because my Dad would want my brother to call me and say, you know, talk. You talk to him. Ask him why he's not calling her, and she's calling, and this we're is like hearing the from Indian family script right, book, like yeah. <laughs> we're hearing from everyone that you know she's interested, but he's saying he's too busy. He's too busy. He's got mm-hmm. this. He's got that. He's got work. You know, we understand he's a doctor, etc. But like, how can you be that busy? Mm. So you know, they the the connections. I think they finally made when I told them, um, and it felt liberating. That's probably the best word, which, you know, of course, that's most likely what everyone thinks when you're inviting everyone in or coming out. It's so liberating. Mm. But I just felt so relaxed. Like I felt like up until that point in my life, I never felt relaxed. I always felt that I was always on edge, always trying to stay ahead 10 steps of how I could not let anyone in my family find this out mm. through social media, through Facebook, et cetera. And, you know, I think certain family members had figured it out years before, but they just were like, okay, you know, it is what it is. And well, when he not, tells everyone, dinner, he will. Yeah, it's not something where they would bring that attention right. to your family. Right, right, exactly. And because they knew my parents, my my brother, my dad, you know, they're – Typical Indian men. So, you know, it wasn't like, all right, we're going to bring this up and discuss it with them. And then maybe they can go talk to Amit about it. You know, if we talk to, you know, if someone had approached my dad or my brother. I mean, that would, that you know, I'm sure they felt the same things that you felt, you know. What did your brother say when you first told him? You know, he he was hurt that I didn't tell him earlier. Because he said, well, how long do you have you known? That was mm. one of his first questions. And I said, for years. And then that's when he took a step back and said, wait, so you didn't tell me? Um, you know, it, and then as much of hurt that is on your brother, I, I find that to be such a positive response. Yeah. You know, yeah. as opposed to this is unacceptable. But yeah. Yeah. why didn't but, you just let me know? Yeah. That, but it must have felt very painful. That 
happened, but not in a negative way right. because mm-hmm. he had to accept it, and he mm-hmm. didn't at first, you know, completely because it was not something that he knew. Mm-hmm. He mm-hmm. he had met one of my very good friends, Vinu, who is another South Asian yeah. gay male, yeah, and his partner, mm-hmm. and. That was kind of the test because all my friends knew, and that was another reason why I felt like, man, I have so many close friends; they all know, and I haven't even told my family, mm-hmm. and that's just awful. Mm-hmm. And you know, when my family would visit, my dad, my brother, they would all meet my friends, and my brother knew Vinu and knew Vinu was gay and knew his mm-hmm. partner Mario, and we had all hung out one birthday weekend. My brother was here, and um, one of my birthday weekends, and. We were talking about Vinu, like you know, over coffee or whatever, and he's like, you know, Vinu's a cool guy. Vinu is a cool guy. And I said, yeah, he is, right? Yeah. Birds of a feather. And he's like, <laughs> you know, he's he's like he's a gay guy and he's cool. And I said, yeah. Did Isn't that make that, you feel like, great? You know, that was kind of my aha moment. Like, okay, maybe I can tell. Him. Maybe I can tell mm-hmm. him soon and not wait any longer. Mm-hmm. Um. And that it probably you know was a few years before I came out to him that he met Venu and Mario, um, and that was like his understanding that it's not the stereotype right. of what a gay man is, you right. know. Um, because in the Indian culture, there's a stereotype, you know. You you there's only hear about everywhere, yeah. yeah. But it, I felt like you know I felt growing up even more the stereotype of a gay man was something that we call a hijra, mm. which is a transgender or mm. transsexual male, mm-hmm. um, dressing in women's clothes, of course, and that was the stereotype that everyone growing up what is it? South yeah. Asian. Mm-hmm assumed a gay man is Mm -hmm. that okay you're gay well you're going to start wearing women's clothes now and Mm -hmm. you're going to start acting like a hijra um which more power to them that's Mm -hmm. fantastic that's their life and that's their choice but that's not apparent in the south asian culture that there's so many varieties of gay men right absolutely right how long after did you tell your parents I think it was a year. A year after you told your brother? Yeah. Wow. Or maybe it was less than that, but it wasn't immediately because then my brother and I, I feel like I, I say we kind of joined forces. <laughs> Devised the strategy. To like come up with a plan. <laughs> yeah, and right? of course, I can't leave my sister-in-law out of that because she's amazing. Um, to That's great to have, have yeah, that then support. I felt I mean, like, what a re- wow, what, like, a what a relief, relief right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, my brother was like, okay, you know you have to tell mom and dad. And I'm like, no. And I was the one that was like, <laughs> what do you mean? Like, you know how this is going to be. He's like, you can't not tell them. He's like, you have to tell them. I'll be there with you. Mm. It is what it is. But he's like, you have to tell them. All right. So I was pushing like, you towards right, your best yeah. life. Yeah. Then I was like, okay, this is completely opposite of what I thought was going to happen. What did Martin think about this? Because I, I kind of want to understand, you know, he obviously, his parents knew. Right. He, he was out. How did he feel dating? Did it, did it, what was the conversation like? You know, it was tough. Yeah. It was tough. And actually, before we actually got married and I proposed to him, I had asked him to marry me well before I proposed when he accepted. Well, I, a fact I didn't know. Whoa. There it is. But <laughs> he said no. He said, not until your family knows. Wow. 
persistence pays off. Yeah. Because, you know, and Test now I look back patience. and I'm like, wow. you know, he, he, he knew and he, he, he did it for the right reason that not like, okay, let's just go get married and then we'll deal with it. No. He's like, your family has to know, they have to accept us, you know, if they don't, but at least we are not hiding right. our relationship from them anymore and they'll know whether they accept it or not. Did he feel as though you were hiding him? Yes. Mm. Mm. How did you guys work through that? That was tough. Yeah. It was very tough. And, you know, it came to boiling points mm -hmm. many times in our relationship. Um, but I think, you know, that's love. You you kind of, you go through it. I mean, you get dragged through it. Mm -hmm. um, and if you survive, that's love. That's, that's, if you stay. That you stay, yeah. you stick around, you deal with it, you fight, you argue, you know, and you even get to the point where you say, is it even worth it? But then you realize that it is. What was the moment when you realized it was worth it with Martin? Well, we, our relationship, you know, I think we've fell in love. I fell in love with him right after I met him. You know, well, did he sparkle? He, 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 he still sparkles. He does. <laughs> it's, 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 this un, it's this amazing thing where two sparkly people have found each other. Yes. Okay. All right. All right. Please describe the moment when you first laid eyes on him and you were like, well, it oh, was yes. such a, it was such a buildup to that moment because we, one, were long distance through our relationship for four and a half years. But since we met on Facebook, at the time we met, he lived in Michigan. Did he sparkle in, on the page? Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. Continue. Absolutely. Um, I wish we could see the smile on his face right now. He is cheesing so <laughs> He is. It's like but 10 times the sparkle right now. fabulous. Okay. Um, but we first met through email. Like, you know, he what poked me or pinged me or whatever oh my on God, Facebook. Poked. Yeah, he poked me. There was <laughs> do, you, a, do you remember? Like, you have a new poke. And I was like, oh, is it Martin? She's on a social media person, yeah. I never so, <laughs> But I've heard about it. The kids talk about yeah. it. Yeah. So, uh, I remember it's not the, the type of poking that you think about. <laughs> you hope it turns into that. <laughs> Isn't that I did. I okay. would think those pokes happened and I was marrying that person. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Hello. <laughs> so, all right. So, so he, he cyber me. hollered at you. Yeah, he did. Okay. And, you know, then at first I was like, okay, this guy's younger than me, way younger than me. Like, you don't even live in the same state. You're freaking hot. But, like, what is that going to evolve into? Mm -hmm. And then, you know, we kind of would like each other's pictures, like what you do on social media, right? <laughs> like we comment, still do. Like what gosh, we still yeah. do, right? Yeah. And then it just evolved into messaging each other and then a drunken night occurred and he was out with his friends i was out and he messaged me and then i messaged him back and we exchanged phone numbers and then it just went from there and you know veritas. and then we were talking and skyping for about three and a half four months and he made the leap of faith and flew from michigan to meet me oh, alone this man um, such wow. a romantic wow <laughs> Uh, I mean, I would fly to Michigan from Michigan to meet this man too. <laughs> yes. And I remember picking him up at LaGuardia because uh, I walked up to him from behind and gave him a huge hug. <sighs> and he was like, "Who the fuck?" <laughs> <laughs> New York, like stranger, stranger, stranger danger. He was about to blow into his rape yeah. whistle or something. <laughs> 
<laughs> Glad he did it. <laughs> um, and then, you know, I think that's when I knew. That connection was something that I never had. Wow. How many, had never. you dated a lot of guys before mine? Um, when I moved to New York, yeah. I don't, I'm not saying that, you know, no slut shaming. Um, I think I actually met someone who had <laughs> gone out on a date with you once. Oh, really? In my, in my building, yeah. <laughs> I think he saw some social media and was like, I think that's the Dr. Amit Patel that I went on one date with. <laughs> <laughs> one date. One date. And that's see, it. that was the thing is that I would date guys, but it would be like one or two because I'm like, all right, dude, this can't go further because I'm not out to my family. Mm. So we can't actually have a relationship. Mm. Because then what am I going to do? Like, my whole cover is blown. <laughs> um, but you know what? When I met Martin, it was worth it. That's that so beautiful. If it happened, it was going to happen because he was worth it. All right. So tell us about how did you tell your parents? How did that go? Oh, we're back. Because okay. we're going to get to that wedding. So, okay. so you meet Martin and you... It's like love and you guys have this amazing connection and you're going back and forth. And it's four years, right? You said after? That About you were four, four yeah. and a half years. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So you tell your parents. And so how it happened mm -hmm. is that, you know, like I said, talk to my brother and sister-in-law about it. And we set up a weekend that I was going to fly in. Martin flew into, but he stayed with our friends um, that live about half an hour from my parents' house. Um, and I'd spoken to his parents about it, too. They knew it was going to happen. And this is the amazing thing. His dad said, you know, like, if you want me to come, I'll come. I'll fly oh. there. And he's like, you know, I'll, I'll wait outside with a car. And if it's if it's bad, you just come outside Quicken. and get in the car and we'll leave. Oh, my gosh. I and then we'll deal with it afterwards. how incredible that must have felt yeah. for you. What an incredible. And his, his parents, we would sit and talk many times that, like, okay, you know, have you thought about it? Uh, let's talk about how you're going to do it or, you know, what do you feel like is going to happen? So then let's talk about what we'll do afterwards or whatnot, you know? Um, and so I, I, his dad, you know, didn't end up coming there because Martin was there with me. And um, I remember, you know, we I was at my parents' house, stayed there the weekend, and then Martin flew in and he went to my uh, friend's house and no, actually, I correct myself. Hold on. Um, so Martin flew in and I picked him up after I had come out to my parents. But um, when I stayed at my parents' house, like with my brother, we had devised a plan mm -hmm. of when it was going to happen. And so my brother came over and it was just the four of us, my brother, me, my mom, and my dad, not even my sister-in-law. She knew that this is the night that I was going to tell them. And um, I started drinking. <laughs> I was just going to say, like, was there a bottle of whiskey? I went into nearby. the kitchen. My mom's there, you know, making the roti and at the <laughs> stove. And my dad's in his recliner watching, you know, TV Asia or something like, you know, some Bollywood movie. And even my mom, I walked in, she noticed she's like, are you drinking right away? And I was like, yeah, I need some wine. And then I looked at my brother. I was like, you want some wine? He's like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And so I was like, Dad, you want some wine? He's like, yeah. I'm like, okay, good. And Let's I'm like pouring wine. And like, I think I had two glasses. Um, and then I told my mom, I was like, okay, mom, you have to stop cooking. Go in the living room and I have to talk to you and dad. And that's when like the nerves and the emotions, of course, started. Mm -hmm. And my dad and mom freaked out. They were like, what's going on? And I said, I have to talk to you about something important. Like, you know, 
I've been waiting to talk to you and I, it just needs to happen because I can't deal with it anymore. And they were like, oh my God, uh, are you getting sued? Did someone die like malpractice or, you know, are you going to jail? Do you have a lawsuit? Or, mm -hmm. you know, that's where their mind was at. Right. Um, and I said, no, 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 it's nothing like that. And then I started talking about the past and I said, you know, like you, you guys have asked me so many times, you know, why aren't you married? And like, you know, you always ask like, why is, what's, what was wrong with this girl? What was wrong with that girl? And I said, there was nothing wrong with anyone. And I said, mm. you know, why I'm not married yet is because I'm gay. And there was silence yeah. a little bit. And then I kept talking, um, you know, and I said, I've known this for a while and I just haven't been able to tell you. And that's why it's been hard to like, you know, date these girls and you know it's and I feel bad and it just it was like verbal vomit and mm. then of course I started crying mm -hmm. um and my mom started crying and you know my dad he, he just was silent the whole time and didn't have any questions and then he just turned to me and he said you know okay oh wow and I said what <laughs> True. That's it. And I said, "What do you mean?" And he's like, "Okay." You're surprised. I mean, I I'm, was yeah. floored, and mm. I—that's when I even lost it. It was the cry, like I was about to vomit, type of cry, oh. because I said, "Oh my god!" All this like, time, all this time, all my fears of what was going to happen—it's not going to. And I think that's why I started crying even more is because like I realized oh my god I still have my family I still have my parents what did your mom say mom had the harder time yeah. than dad dad actually supported her and was like we'll deal with it it's fine it's right. okay you know mm -hmm. because she had gone to India like two or three years before and bought all her saris and jewelry that she was going to wear for my wedding mm -hmm. for every event you know and that's when I told her, you know, because she had her moments where even after a few days, I said, you know, are you okay? Do you have questions? And she's like, no. And she would just start crying. And I'm like, okay, you know, talk talk to me and come to me when you when you want to. And, you know, I said that, that then when I came out that night and I told them and I said, and I have someone that I love. And I said, he's on his way here. Because Martin was flying there the yeah. next day. And I told them about us. And I said, his family knows. They want to meet you. This I said, was all in the same night. All in the same night. I said, we want to get married. And I said, we want to have like our Indian wedding and a Hindu wedding. It's a lot. It's a it's lot. A lot. For parents to hear. It's just because I just was like waiting well, well, 36 yeah. years. And I was like, well, I here you go. And here's my future husband yeah. in right. one setting is is a lot to put on. Yeah. Not to put on them, but for anyone yeah. to. And so, this. you know, it was funny because uh, I didn't think my dad was be, would be ex as accepting as he was. Hmm. And I did, it I always say this to this day still, I did not give my family enough credit. Yeah. Mm. No way. Mm. But I think it happened the way it needed to. Sure. And so the next day, you know, my dad was like, both of my parents, they were like, okay, well, where is he? And I said, well, he's flying in tomorrow. 
and you know I'm going to go pick him up and he was at that time the plan was and that's why I was confused earlier he was going to stay with our friends and my parents were like well no he's going to stay here with oh, you wow wow yeah so I remember picking Martin up from the airport and telling him everything that happened and the same time around that time unfortunately my dad had gotten into an accident and my mom's car was kind of totaled so they needed to get a new car so I had gone to pick up Martin at the airport and my dad called me when I we were coming home and he's like oh I'm at the Honda dealer <laughs> surprise surprise Honda it's <laughs> <laughs> a good brand <laughs> it's he's like I'm at the brand. Honda dealer yeah. just come here and I'm like uh <laughs> Not what I imagined. Here with me. Yeah. And he's like, that's fine. Just come here. We need to buy a car. Like, <laughs> Back to business. And right? I'm like, okay. And, I was, and Martin and I looked at each other. I was like, all right, you're going to meet my dad at the, at the Honda dealer. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, welcome to being in an Indian family. <laughs> Martin's probably like, look, this is probably the, the best scenario yeah. anyway. I'll take the Honda dealer. Yeah. So we get there. Of course, Martin's like, I need a Starbucks before we get there. I said, okay, fine. <laughs> so we'll get a Starbucks. And we, you know, are both so freaking nervous, of course. And we walk into the Honda dealer. <laughs> and my dad walks up to Martin, hits him on the shoulder, and he's like, what the hell took you so long? <gasps> <laughs> no. I can't That's imagine. Martin Hurley was like, oh, oh my. And then looks at you. He's like, I told you so all those years. <laughs> what took you so long? Yeah. Wow. That's epic. Yeah. Wow. Epic. You know, I think what made it a lot easier for both my parents and I think my entire family is Martin is so immersed into the Indian, South Asian, Gujarati culture. Mm -hmm. You know, I think they would have had a hard time if I had someone that I was bringing home that was not going to eat the food mm -hmm. and, you know, not accepting or not, 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 I don't mean not accepting, but. Well, not you know, as immersed in the culture. Not as immersed, yeah. right? Yeah. You know, because yeah. they knew that, because I explained to him, I said, listen, you know, my, my mom said, okay, well, if he's going to stay here, you know, is he going to eat Gujarati food? Because I don't really know how to make other food. I can make like, you know. Pasta. Tacos or <laughs> pasta <laughs> or something. Spaghetti. And I said, no, mom, he <laughs> eats everything. Yeah, it's yeah. fine. So to her, she was like, really? And I said, yeah, you don't have to do anything different. I said, we continue everything normally. Nothing's going to change. Make food the way you need to. And she's like, what about spicy? And I was like, he eats spicier than me. Wow. So she's like, okay. <laughs> well, it's so, from what I have seen from, from you know, successful marriages that I've seen, ex when you are marrying someone of a different culture, embracing that culture is a huge. And embracing their family is a huge, huge. part of contributing to the, the success of the relationship yeah. itself because that is what your family has in common with yeah. you. And so it's like if you're embracing that, you're embracing a part of them right. too. And he actually takes that back to his family now. Like we just had a conversation a few days ago um, where he was talking to his parents. We're going for a family wedding in Texas in March. And so my uh, my in-laws are staying with my parents. They're going to drive after the wedding to my parents' house and stay there with them. And, you know, m my mother-in-law had a few questions like, you know, is it okay uh, if we bring our dog or if we stay an extended mm -hmm. period of time, et cetera. And Martin told him, like, you, you guys have to understand, like, we got married and it wasn't just me and him. Like, our families, families. – are you know one now so yeah. it's not like it's in-laws and you know you're my parents etc 
because my mom said that she had texted Martin's mom and was like, you know, stay here as long as you want. This is your house too. Like, you know, if you want to come for a, a week or two weeks or whatever. Mm-hmm. So he said to them, you know, like, you have to understand that. Like, it, there's, you don't have to worry about walking on Egg on eggshells right, that, right. you know, can we do this? Can we do that? Yeah. Like, can we Put stay your in? feet yeah, up. Like, your, exactly. Yeah, part of the, part of the You know, speaking of the wedding. I mean, <laughs> I, did your mother get to wear the sweet? She did. It, I just, you know, as, as and a, her jewelry. Yeah. It was, <laughs> it was the most spectacular wedding I have been to. Thank you. Um, and for me, you know, being there, part of what was so spectacular about it um, was how much you could feel. I, you know, I'm going to let Ahmed talk about how ridiculously beautiful and what they wore and, you know, all those things. But the love. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Really. That that was the sparkle. That really for was. the wedding. Ahmed, after all of this, what was it like? that wedding what was it like being there with your families like talk to me a little bit about the prep and the day I mean, and... was this an indian wedding was this a... so we knew that we wanted both religions to be represented awesome so i you know didn't want to compromise my dream wedding mm-hmm. my hindu ceremony mm-hmm. and i wanted martin's religion to be represented and he wanted us to get married under his faith as well mm-hmm. what's his faith he's christian okay so you know we wanted to have a christian and hindu wedding and that was how it began like how are we going to do this how are we going to have an interfaith interracial mm-hmm. gay wedding do um, fantastically <laughs> so much so that Indian Vogue gets interested <laughs> in the affair. Well, yeah. Sorry, I'm Why getting ahead you? of us. Yeah. Where did so, you have the wedding? So we had, uh, we did our Sangeet and Garba night, which is a traditional pre-wedding night in the Hindu uh, culture and religion um, at Chelsea Piers at mm-hmm. Current. Uh, Pier 59, and then our ceremonies and reception were at Cipriani Wall Street. Nice. So How many people? We had a little shy of 300, which for an Indian wedding is small. It is small, but I I tell you one of the- And we had to really work on that guess. (laughs) (laughs) People are still bitter somewhere. (laughs) You can apologize later. (laughs) We we still, you know, feel bad that we couldn't invite everyone that we wanted to. One, um, because we didn't want just this to be a huge wedding where whoever was there was not part of our journey. Mm. Sure. And that's how we decided on the guest list. Okay. Is that Every single person that was going to be there knew our journey Mm. and knew what it took for us to get to that day. So they brought the love with them. So that's where, you know, I was even overcome with the emotion of the amount of love and support that we had. I mean, I remember walking into the lobby of the Andaz Mm -hmm. uh, Wall Street, amazing hotel if anyone wants to stay there. Talk to Calais. Um, <laughs> Life goals for Dede. <laughs> so, so typically, uh, Hindu wedding, you have a barat. That's the procession of the groom to the wedding altar. Is that for what the, bride, the, the with elephants the horses or, or the, the horse? elephants? Okay. Yeah, it can be either or. 
We tried looking into elephants, but the foundation of New York City streets cannot support them. Ah, shucks. For anyone, future reference, <laughs> okay. if you're planning to have an elephant at your butt. Right. So we, that was something that we talked about because it wasn't going to be that one of us was going to be a bride and one was going to be a groom. You know, and we had to educate some of our vendors and sure. everyone about that because that's how they had, they hadn't done a gay Hindu wedding before. Oh. So... Not a lot. Some had, not a lot. But, you know, there were, we got that question a lot. Well, who's the bride and who's the groom? Mm. And it's like, well, no, you have two grooms. Yeah. Yes. There's no bride. Yeah. So we changed the way a procession normally would be, where a groom is in the barat, which is everyone dancing and leading the groom to the altar. We said, we have two grooms. So there will be two grooms going to their wedding altar. Yes. You know, um, it's two elephants or so horses. So we had two horses. Two horses. Side, awesome. We had two horses like side by side. And usually what happens is that only the groom side of the family is in that procession while the bride side is waiting with the bride at the altar. Oh. They don't actually, the bride doesn't get to be part of the bride. Right. Yeah. I'm thinking of a wedding that you and I went yeah. to. Yeah. Yeah. I cheated. I was at. I was looking yeah, at that so, Yeah. You know, we said. <laughs> I was there for the, we the said, bride. bride we yeah. too. There's two you. grooms. And everyone will be a part of the Barath. Yeah. Awesome. You know, you talked earlier about uh, picking out your mom's saris and just yeah. being very interested in fashion. And I think, what was it like for you to have this extraordinary designer, Tarantalani Design? I mean, that was... Uh, that, was that a dream come true? That Can was you a just dream say who true. that is for yeah, people? So I know. It's uh, the designer is Tarun Tahiliani. He's a couture designer in India, mm. based in India, but has influence and shops all over India and now hopefully all over the world soon. But he's one of the leading couture designers. He's so he's been like into Karl Lagerfeld. Yeah, he's Car- yeah. yeah. Yep. And you know, he has trunk shows all over the world, including the US and of- So y'all spent money on this. Sorry. I mean, no, continue. Yeah. It's we, amazing. We, we, we did. Yeah, got it spend every penny. Yeah. So that was Probably one of the highlights of the wedding was the experience with him Mm. because we had had an idea in mind of how we wanted our clothes to look because Martin is very fashionable. Yeah. Everyone knows he's got such a high sense of style and fashion that it's amazing what he can put together and how he can style people. And, and what you see with me is an evolution of style from when he met me <laughs> to what to best how I dress now. Uh-huh. I'll just say there was a lot of Ed Hardy <laughs> before he met me and a lot of matching trucker hats with the belt and the shoes. <laughs> All gone now. All, All gone. gone. What's wrong with that? All gone. <laughs> okay. I was like the missing Indian cast member of Jersey Shore. Oh, it came right back. It came right. You know, it's interesting. I, like, see, by the way, we're running out of time. Which oh, is we not, are. Should but, we but do you like a part two? Wait, we're going to do a part continued? two. I want to ask you something really quickly. So after the wedding, you were all over social media, right? Yeah. For several reasons that yeah. we've already discussed. You were in New York Times, Vogue India, Bride News. Um, one of the things that I think has come up in all that publication, you, a lot of positive reaction. Yeah. Some not so positive. Absolutely. Did that surprise you at this day and age? I would say yes and no. Yeah. Um, You know, 
it it started probably the not so positive news when Tarun put us on his social media mm. because that was his goal too. He said, "You know what?" He's like, this is amazing. This is beautiful. And we're going to blast this all through social media because it was right after we got married two weeks after 377 in India was ruled right. illegal, which was a law in right. India that made gay sex illegal. illegal. And people could were, and I'm sure, arrested and mm-hmm. jailed and still in jail because of that. Right. So he said, what an amazing time that your wedding is happening two weeks after that. So we're going to put this on social media and blast. And I actually had to stop reading comments. Yeah. Mm. Do you, most of the comments, were they? do you think they were based out of India? Yeah. Yeah. They were. And that, you know, still, now there are more same-sex weddings, Indian, with Indian designers that have been posted mm-hmm. onto social media and have gotten a lot of attention and have gotten a lot of negative attention, not just positive attention. It's just, it's sort of this reminder, you know, you're at the evolution of, of you coming out, growing up in America, what you had to struggle with, that we still have so much work to do yeah. in acceptance. Absolutely. You know, and in... we still to this day, Martin on a, the Fashionable Couple Instagram yeah. gets messages from men all over the world, mainly from India, asking for help. Mm. You know, like... This, your wedding was beautiful. I see this on social media. Like, I wish I could have that life. Like, you know, help me find a boyfriend. Help me find a husband. Like, but, you know. But that's, that's hope. Yeah. Yes. You know, that, that you know, maybe the direct, I, you know, obviously can't help all those people individually with something. But you gave them hope. Yeah. That it's possible. And, and that was amazing because we got so many messages of hope and from men and women in India, Africa, all over the world that like, you know, blew us away. We saw your wedding and I I believe it can happen. I know it's going to happen. And that was just like, wow, that's amazing that that's what happened and that's what that's that's still been my hope um you know we just recently we're still getting featured we got interviewed for the uh financial times of india and south asian bridal magazine did uh their annual you know print uh publication and they did a six-page spread on our wedding so still to this day we're still getting featured and that that's been one of my hopes is that I hope a little boy or girl in India, in a village somewhere, or, you know, now that the internet is everywhere and accessible, looks at that and doesn't have to go through what I did as an Indian kid being gay that gives them that hope, you know, and they don't hurt themselves or they don't, you know, marry a woman and try to suppress or marry a man if they're a, a female um, you know, and try to suppress what's going on in their life um, to to live up to what they feel is the cultural norm and standard. I think I think that makes your journey worth it. I think one child. Yeah, feels. And just one one child, one person. We we started out, you know, talking or asking the the question. You know, can can somebody start out in a dark place and and turn to mm-hmm. the light and the mm-hmm. sparkle? And I think. As heartbreaking as it is to learn that for 18 long years you had to struggle and now you are shining light around the whole world. 
thanks to your courage, thanks to the Thank love you. of your family, the love of your husband, and you are helping more people to find love, pursue love, and just be their honest selves. What a testimony. Thank you. I love you, Amit. Thank, Thank you, you so love much you for coming on. Of course. Where um, can the people find you and should, learn more about yeah, you? Yeah, so, so, you know, we never even talked about Amit's also this very accomplished doctor. So we've got two Instagram pages for you to follow this sparkly soul around. The two Instagram pages is uh, Martin and I share one together, The Fashionable Couple. It's more run by Martin. Um, and then I have a professional account, Hemo Chemo MD. Yeah. So Fantastic. we have to have you back to talk about all that other stuff. Okay. We might need to Fantastic. bring Martin to. I <laughs> want Martin. We're going to do it. Check out Hemo Chemo MD okay. because it's an approach to medicine that most doctors don't agree with incorporating homeopathic alternative <gasps> medic medicine. We just talked about that. Yes. Oh, okay. And we need a we need a part 2. Yes. Okay. And I'm a big believer in that because that's part of the South Asian culture too is it wasn't always pills and, you know, injections and this and that that were given as treatment. And medically, I know that that is what is evidence-based and what will be the recommended treatment for my patients. But if they come to me and say, hey, doc, like, you know, can I take this mushroom or what do you think about this tea? Okay, let's talk about it. If you want to do it, let's do it. Not, no, it's not going to work. Let's not talk about it. Don't mess with your treatment. Folks. It's a discussion. It's and if it works for them, and you know, we talk about it and we include it as part of their treatment. Doctor Amit Patel, changing the lives of everyone, making the world better. <laughs> I know. I like, that's it. Share like, the we're done. sparkle. Amit, thank you again. You're welcome. This thank was, you for having me. Uh, this was a blast. It was so great. You thank know, you. guys, follow us on the underscore Bali underscore effect. You'll hear more about Amit's interview there. It'll be up in a couple weeks. We'll catch you next time. Yeah. yeah. We'll catch you next time. Everyone oh, tune in. Tune into the Valley Effect. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Please subscribe to our podcast on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts. And, of course, follow us on Instagram, the underscore Bali underscore effect. And we'll see you there. Thank you. Bye. Check us out.